Welcome to Ghoul's Questions podcast from Corvin Networks, created for global corporate venturing. For more information, please visit www.corvin.com. Okay, so uh, it's Andrew Gore's question time. Today I'm speaking with Abdul Ghaffour, who is Managing Director of Intel Capital Treasury for EMEA. Hi, Abdul. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure, Andrew. Nice to nice see you again. Good. So, uh, Abdul, can you kick off, please, by giving us just a brief description of the Intel Capital Fund, as you've been one of the leaders in that within this space for some time. Give us a bit of a perspective, an overview of it, please. Yeah. So, Intel Capital has been in the investing business under different names for probably over 20 years, and we've been called Intel Capital since about year 2000. Before that, we went through various other names like corporate business development and actually had no name at all for a while. Mm-hmm. But we've always been an intrinsic part of Intel Corporation, so we've always, everyone has always worked for Intel, all the money that we've invested has always been Intel's, from Intel's balance sheet, and we've always worked very closely with our business units to both identify and develop the companies that we've invested in. So it's always been a, a strategically focused investment program, um, although of course we try to make money as well. So mm-hmm. there, are, there are two sort of key objectives. Um, over the years, it's grown in in size and shape. I mean, it probably peaked soon after the dot com uh, sort of boom era, I would say. And uh, and you know, over the years, we've refined also where we think we should invest and how we should invest. So we now have a model that we think works well, and it and it's tailored to each of the different geographies that we operate in. And um, and that's kind of the overview of the program. So. Can you give us some insights on what you see in some of the key changes that are occurring at the moment within within the sector, within your technology sector, within the venture capital market, and how you know Intel Capital is changing its approach in this area? Sure. Um, firstly, as I said earlier, we're very closely linked to what Intel's strategic objectives are, and we try to help the corporation using investment as one of those tools. So there are lots of other people at Intel doing things in the strategic engagements with startups and large companies and small companies alike. So we have business development people, we have sales and marketing people, we have R&D people. So Mm -hmm. Intel Capital is just one tool amongst many. Um, In terms of what we're seeing across our businesses that, as you know, the IT world seems to get more complex. Everyone seems to be playing in everybody else's areas. And so we have to become more proficient as a corporation in many more areas than historically we were. Historically, as you know, we're really a microprocessor company, um, and uh, that's been a fantastic business for us for decades. But we're having to diversify both the microprocessor business into new areas, mobile devices, low power, whether they're cell phones or tablets or what have you. Mm-hmm. So that's still a microprocessing business. We're also adding new businesses like cellular. So you may know that we acquired Infineon's modem business Uh, early early this year and we also acquired McAfee which was announced last year and closed early this year which is a security business so we have lots more um, businesses under the Intel umbrella and and we're trying to diversify into more areas also and so we use Intel Capital as one of the tools to help us do that either to fill in areas where we have gaps in our offerings Mm -hmm. or those of our partners offerings um, and sometimes just to sort of pave the path ahead of us for some years to come so that so that um, the partners and some of the technologies that we will need are available and we try and seed those areas by investment. And those are from a technology perspective. Are you using Intel Capital as well to explore emerging markets and investing in those areas? Yes, we are. Uh, it's 
if I look in EMEA, for which uh, you know I'm responsible, along with two other, two other managing directors, um, in EMEA, I mean, we 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 split the um, we split the geography into two pieces about 18 months ago for this very same reason mm -hmm. is that the approach that we take to more mature markets has to be, I think, very different to those that we take to more emerging markets. So we, we split out the region of EMEA uh, into Western Europe and Israel, which are the more mature parts, uh -huh. and then Eastern Europe, Russia, Middle East Africa, which are the more emerging parts, one would say. Yeah. And so what we see is in the more mature areas, we definitely tend to invest in more technology-led investments. So this is where we find some great technology or great entrepreneurs that are building a product or a service that we can apply perhaps globally. In the more emerging markets, occasionally we do find those kinds of technologies, uh, but more often than not, they tend to be local solutions for local problems. Right. So if I go back to one of our earliest investments in Russia, for example, which was Yandex, it's a search engine. So there's nothing particularly novel about search engines even back in you know, 2001, 2002. But it was very focused on the Russian market, Russian language, and it was just very good at doing search in a Russian context. And for that reason, it's been very successful. And as you know, last year, uh, sorry, earlier this year, it listed uh, in the U.S. and it was a very successful IPO. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that's a classic example of taking a well-known technology, which you know, in 2002 we had Google and Yahoo and all the other guys, but localizing it and making it very proficient for local use. And that also helped drive more Russian users, we believe, onto the Internet faster than would otherwise have been the case. So we, we've invested in Eastern Europe, we've invested in Russia. If you like, the new frontiers for us in the last two or three years have been uh, sub-Saharan Africa and also Turkey. So uh, this year we managed to close two deals in Turkey, the first two deals that we've done there. And in fact, Turkey became the 50th country that we've uh, closed deals in right. worldwide. Yep. Um, so we're very excited about that. We think Turkey has some great prospects. Um, and we also closed one deal in South Africa this year. And uh, we hope to do many more over the years in sub-Saharan Africa. Good. good. And y you mentioned briefly there about the team split, split into two areas covering uh, EMEA. Can you give a bit, bit of a background of how many are in the team and what sort of backgrounds and skill sets and that they've got? So people is a very important part of this corporate venture capital area. Absolutely, yes. Uh, we have approximately a dozen investment professionals uh, across those two regions. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a mix, I would say. This, uh, well, the, the first thing that is common, I would s say, is that the team is very experienced. The team that we've had has been very stable for a long period of time, mm -hmm. and I think that is a key criterion for success. Yeah. The uh, the amount of time it takes to train uh, someone to be successful in venture capital, I think, is probably three years or so. And in a corporate context, I'd say perhaps it's even longer because there is this other facet that they have to bring to the party, which is to understand the business units. So whereas if you were, if you say, a financially focused VC, yes, you need to build your external network and make sure that you know other co-investors and entrepreneurs and sources of deals, yeah. uh, and some of the advisors as well, of course. At Intel, you have to do all of that, and you also have to get to know all of the business units. Yeah. And the business units are forever changing their strategies. You know. Whether we like it or not, that's just the way of the world, you know, the way it is. So you have to keep in contact with the senior people in the business units, see what they're interested in, and make sure that your deal sourcing and, and uh, sort of deal farming yeah. fits in with their requirements. So I think that time and that effort that it takes is, uh, is quite key to have the right kind of person. So we have to find people who are, com are confident working in that corporate context. And it can be somewhat um, bureaucratic at times, you know, trying to 
navigate all of the business units and the different levels of mm -hmm. authorization that are required. So finding the right kind of person has been very important. Uh, but we think we have a pretty good team. There's a mix of people who have been at Intel for a long time and people who we hired from outside, either from the investment world or from the technology world. So I, I don't think there is a identikit Intel Capital investor, uh, but we have people who have a technology background that have learned to do deals, yeah. and we have people who have a deal background that have learned a little bit more about the technology yeah. that uh, they're investing in. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think from what we see in organizations, this uh, corporate mentality of people can cycle around every two to three years and change mm -hmm. roles with the death nail on that for yeah. the continuity and building partnerships inside and outside the yeah. organization. We do occasionally take people in from other business units, and you know, if they're capable people, we're delighted to do so. But we're not part of a rotation program yeah. within Intel, if you like, where yeah. you know people come through and then move on to another job. Yeah. This is seen as a destination rather than a uh, you know a, a stop on the journey. Right. Good. Good. Um, Performance measures and how organizations show that their venture, corporate venture capital unit and that is delivering to the business financially and strategically, mm -hmm. I know is important and that for you and you're going to be speaking at one of our future meetings. Yes. Can you give us a bit of an insight on, on how Intel Capital has, has, does those hard and soft measures and how they may be changed over time? Sure. Um, my role as sort of a, uh, the treasury part of my uh, job title, if you like, is that I'm much more focused, uh, perhaps, than my other two colleagues, the other two managing directors, on the financial aspects of our portfolio and of our returns. Mm -hmm. And so this is something we've spent a lot of time looking at over the years. And I would say we've got more sophisticated, but that doesn't necessarily mean more complex. In fact, quite the reverse. I right. think we've probably okay. simplified over the years. So when I, when I go back to when I joined Intel Capital in, say, 1999, so when we started looking at this initially, we paid very little heed, I would say, to the financial aspects. We thought of ourselves as a strategic investment program, so that if we did something that was strategically valuable, then that was good enough. And we had lots of measures on the strategic side, as you might expect, because that's the only thing we thought was important. So we would set all kinds of milestones, all kinds of objectives when we closed a deal, and then in our account review process, where we go through and look at all of our portfolio companies and how they're performing, we go back and mark ourselves about, did we meet that milestone? Did we meet that objective? And if not, by how far, how far mm -hmm. did we miss it? And that became quite a bureaucratic process, and it didn't add that much value. Because the other thing that often happens in, in investing is that we all start off with the best intentions, both ourselves and the company that we invest in, that we're going to work on a particular project together or a particular development area together. Mm -hmm. And then Intel may change its strategy or the portfolio company may change its strategy, you know, because the market changes. Yeah, yeah. So market or technology testing doesn't necessarily work out as you initially <laughs> intend it. It hardly ever does, unfortunately. Yeah. So what we often found was, it, fine, we set a, a number of objectives at the outset, but they just became meaningless, you know, during the course of the yeah. life of our investment. So what was much more, uh, so over time, we also then started becoming much more financially aware, I would say. So we started measuring the obvious things that you would expect, like IRR and cash on cash returns. Um, and then we started looking at it in, um, being a corporate and investing off our balance sheet is very different to how a fund would right. account for these things. Yeah. And uh, there's all kinds of accounting rules as well in the, uh, you know, how a fund would value, for example, its investments. So we started, um, trying to model our our financials to show what we would look like had we been a fund. Right. So it became more yeah. comparable with some of the external benchmark data because we felt it was important to benchmark 
ourselves against the best. So as well as uh, just running the straightforward numbers as though we were a P&L you know, in a corporation, we also, if you like, do a sh shadow set of numbers that shows what we would look like if we were a fund. So we, to some extent, impute a, uh, a fund size right? because we don't really have a fund allocation per se. We just, as I mentioned, invest off our balance sheet yeah. and as many good deals as we can find, you know, we'll do them. But we sort of take a multiple of the number of deals that we did in the year and we'll say, you know, roughly, if, if someone was investing, say, four or five hundred million dollars a year, they would have roughly a, you know, billion or $1.5 billion right. fund. Yeah. So we say, okay, we're a $1.5 billion fund. A fund would normally charge X percent in management fees and such and such in carry and would normally have a certain sort of cost structure. Right. And then we sort of, if you like, load our P&L with those management costs and so forth. Right, yeah. And then work out what the IRR would be, you see. So we're, we're trying to do it on a like-for-like -like basis so that when we see figures from external uh, parties like Cambridge Associates or the EVCA or whoever else it may be, yes. that we can say, yes, we're comparing apples to apples. So we do that, you know, financial uh, comparison also. But going back to the strategic, mm -hmm. uh, which we mentioned, um, so we moved away from that very complex bureaucratic process of milestones and objectives. Yeah. And we found that the most valuable, ultimately, was just to ask the senior managers in the business units that we support at Intel, which are many, yeah. what they think of us. So we have people that liaise very closely, as I mentioned, the investment people that we have, liaise yeah. very closely with those guys to understand their objectives and how we can help them at you know, throughout the year. Yeah. Now, let's say, as we go through the budgeting process about now, uh, we'll go through and ask them what their top objectives are and where we can help them. Yeah. And then in six months and one year's time, we'll go back and say, well, did we help you as you asked us to? And they'll give us a, a mark, effectively. And we add all those up and say, you know, across the software business and the microprocessor business and the digital home business or whatever the business unit may be, you know, how did we perform? Yeah. And, uh, and we use that as a measure of our strategic value add. So that's both doing new deals and also having the existing portfolio that we have engage in a meaningful manner with those yeah. business units. So it sounds like it's as much about the process of coming up with what that, those strategic objectives are and having the discussions mm -hmm. and having the feedback than what yeah. it is just having a number on a report at the end of the, at the, end of the period. Is that the way it's moved to? And I, I'd agree. And also, it's not just about hearing what the business units say. We, we hope that we have a say at the table so that when the business units are formulating their strategies and their plans, that we provide insight from our world that will help them plan accordingly. So what will be important in their businesses? What technologies perhaps should they be considering? Mm -hmm. And we hope that we can take some of our knowledge and uh, embed that in their plans for the year also. And when you have the exception of you think there's a good deal, which might be strategically important mm -hmm. or financially important, and the business disagrees with that, or does the business have to agree with each of the investments that you make? How does that yeah. work in on a deal by deal then to decide mm -hmm. whether it's the right one to make and whether you've then performed at the end of the period? Yeah. There's always this um, tension sometimes between doing things that the business unit thinks are important and perhaps things that we think should be important longer term that the business unit doesn't care about today yes. because the, the investment horizon is often much longer than the, if you like, the planning horizon that the business unit has. Yes. And so we almost set ourselves a target that about 10% of the deals that we do every year will fall into this category of eyes and ears, as we call them. So where we just invest, we, we always talk to business units to get their insight. And a business unit in this instance may be someone like the Intel Labs. 
It doesn't right. have to be a product group per se. Okay. Yeah. So we go and talk to Intel Labs. You know, what do they think about, uh, I don't know, plastic semiconductors or, or uh, you know, like uh, optical computing or whatever it may be. Things that, if I went to a business unit today, they would say, you know, that's ten years out. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. You know, don't bring me any deals in that area because I'm not going to engage. And the labs may say they may have a view, um, um, but they would give us some insight. But if we feel that there's a, a deal that should be uh, something that we should watch, then we may go away and do that uh, okay. off our own bat. Yeah. And there's, there's, so by no means does every single deal have to have business unit backing, but um, we like to have you know a large majority that would have business unit backing because otherwise we, we're, we're, we're almost like a shadow organisation, you know, going off and doing what we think is important rather than the organisation. Yeah. Yeah. So it's getting that balance, isn't it? Indeed. Good. So. We've talked about sort of the overview of why Intel Capital is doing this, what the market and that is like. Could you give an example of it of a recent, you know, a recent deal which maybe brings one of these to brings these perspectives to life? Well, I, I talked about Turkey earlier, so this mm -hmm. is more, if you like, about sort of a market development opportunity. And, okay. Um, and it's, I think it's a good example. We like to be early to these emerging markets. I don't know whether we can use that term anymore, emerging markets, as yeah. such, it's not. I, I know certain of our organisations talk about high growth rather yes. than emerging. <laughs> Indeed, because often they're, they're more emerged than some of the uh, more mature markets D that definitely, we're dealing yeah. with. Yeah, 4G? Oh, yeah, we've heard that for a while. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. so, so when we think about Turkey, uh, we've been visiting there for many years, building relationships with potential investors, entrepreneurs, and so forth. But it only takes a bit of time before you actually press the trigger and, and make some investments. And so when I look at our history, we were very early to places like India and China. We've been mm -hmm. there since the late 90s, mid-90s, in fact. Um, and I think that stood us in good stead as those markets have developed and, and you know, the volume of transactions there has increased and we have a very good reputation there. Yeah. Um, and I think the same was true of Eastern Europe and Russia, and we're hoping the same will be true of Africa and, and Turkey and Middle East. So in Turkey, the two d deals that we did this year uh, were Grupania and Nocta. I would say... You know, with, without doing a disservice to those two, because I think they're two very good companies, they're not doing anything that's novel or hasn't been done before. Groupania is kind of in the group buying, you know, group deals business, a little okay. bit like Groupon. And Nocta is a sort of a wide-ranging uh, series of interlinked uh, portals, you know, media business, basically, mm -hmm. that, will, that sort of has content that uh, people can enjoy. But they're sort of local language. They're localized businesses, and I think it will be a good impetus to get more people interested in internet usage throughout Turkey and you know the Turkish-speaking world, which is Turkey and a few other countries, I guess. Right. So those were interesting because it was how to do deals in a new segment, in a, in a sorry, in a new country with new co-investors and all the legal ramifications and so forth that go around that. So that was uh, that was that one. And if I look at the other side of the fence, the sort of more mature markets that we operate in. Um, We've been looking at user interfaces and user experience as being a key differentiator for the future. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and this is at, a, at an Intel level, I mean, not just Intel Capital. So one of the things that we think is going to be a big change in the way we interact is how you interact with your lap laptop or maybe even your cell phone and other devices. And so perceptual computing, which is a, a term that Intel probably made up, but is, is uh, you know, using... Um, gestures using hand signals and those kinds of things, maybe even um, eye monitoring and, right. and so forth, <coughs> sort of bodily movements yeah. rather than using a keyboard or touch or any of those things. Yeah. We think that will be an interesting uh, usage model in the future. 
So there were two investments that we did this year. One is a French company called Total Immersion, and another mm-hmm. is an Israeli company called Omec. And um, we have very good engagement with our business units on both of those, and we hope that in time those features will make it through to our a whole range of products. But you know, probably in the first instance, the Ultrabook, which is the sort of uh, the reinvention of the laptop that Intel and our our uh, OEM partners are pushing very heavily in Q4 right. this year onwards. Uh, you know, hopefully in the course of 2012, we'll see some of these features make it through to those devices. Good, thank you. So, you seem to be travelling quite a bit, and you've got quite a few deals. What are you doing to to um, distract yourself with <laughs> hobbies or family? Hobbies are few, I'm afraid, uh, these days. But um, yeah, spending time with family is always wonderful. It was nice uh, having been on the road for a few weeks to get back last weekend and spend some time with the kids. But unfortunately, they. Uh, they they just gave me a barrage of homework that they wanted help with, so uh, <laughs> that was a bit of a shame. And I'm, I'm afraid my uh, GCSE level chemistry is not what it used to be, so I had to uh, sort of do a bit of quick Googling to help out on that one, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I do enjoy cycling. It's not the best time of year to, uh, to yeah, cycle, I'm afraid. Winter weather. But when I can get out, it's, uh, I find it therapeutic. Uh, there's some nice country roads near where we live, and so getting out does actually help me uh, sort of declutter my mind a mm. little bit. So I look forward to being able to do that, perhaps when it stops snowing. Yeah, yeah. So, Abdul, thanks very much for giving us insights to Intel Capital. Thank you, Andrew.